Hey, everyone. We are here, and we are ready to go. I want to thank you for joining me today. New Hope Radio. Got a good topic on hand. So uh, I hope you're glad you tuned in, because I'm glad that you tuned in. And we're talking about <laughs> the best topic in the whole world. What do you think that is? It's Jesus himself. There's no better topic. There really isn't. What better is there to talk about than the Lord Jesus? Nothing. Not a thing. There's one thing we know about Jesus. He had a way of talking about everyday natural things. And you know why he did that? In order to help people understand spiritual truth. That's why he told so many parables. So people could make the connection. Ask yourself, am I making the connection when I hear the Word of God? That's a good question. Hope you got the answer. You know you've made the connection when it's, oh, here it comes. When it's acted out in your life. That's how you know. That's how you know you're connecting with the Word of God. Because it's coming true in your life. We're in a series, Let's Meet Jesus Again, for the first time. He's going to talk about three things that people of his day understood. Hopefully, we'll come to understand them too. You know what he's going to talk about? He's going to talk about building, fighting, and sailing. Huh. Strange topics, wouldn't you say? For an evangelist? (laughs) What evangelist talks about building, fighting, and sailing? I can't think of one except Jesus. But you see, they do have something in common. All three. And you know what they have in common? The point Jesus wanted to get across. Count the cost. That's the point. He wants people to come to a place in life when when they're going to do something, count the cost before you do it. Okay? Now we're going to pick it up in Luke 14. In verse 28, here's what he said. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, okay? Now, wait a minute. Who wants to build a tower? What kind of tower is this? Well, it's not a lifeguard tower at the beach. It's not a watchtower or a water tower so people can have water in town. No, it's a special God tower. It is a watch tower in the vineyard. That in Jesus' day, when people planted vineyards, they built a tower. And the reason they built a tower was so the grape growers would watch over the vineyard because thieves would come and steal the grapes. Ain't that a kicker? You work hard all year long, growing grapes, and then just when they're ripe, people come along and they steal your grapes. That's why they built a tower. It's sad, isn't it? When someone does all the work and somebody else comes and steals the fruit of your labors. That's sad. Sad commentary. That's lazy people. That's what I call them. Thieves are lazy. They don't want to work for it. They'd rather take what somebody else has worked for. So, the watchtower was needed, but here's the warning. 
Here's what Jesus said. Before you build a tower, does he not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Now, people could identify with this. They'd be like, oh, yeah, we saw those towers. And maybe they saw towers once in a while. The thing was never finished. I've made several mission trips to Togo, West Africa. And there's a sad sight, and probably in many other third world nations too, but my experience is with Togo. And you see many, many houses, some of them made a cinder block, and they're never finished. They're unfinished. The walls go up, but there's no roof. There's no windows, and then the vegetation begins to grow over the house. What happened? They couldn't finish the building for whatever reason. Did they count the cost? I don't know. Probably not. Or maybe something happened. But they couldn't finish the building. And you know what? It's a sad sight. It really is. To see all these potential dwelling places, and yet no one's dwelling there because the houses are unfinished. So Jesus says, if you're going to build a tower, sit down, count the cost, make sure you've got what it takes to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it begin to ridicule him. It becomes a laughingstock. When they ridicule him, it means that they, they mock him, they jeer at him. This is very humiliating. It is. It's embarrassing to have a half-finished project. You can't finish it, and people come along, and they mock, and they humiliate, and they jeer. It's very embarrassing. Jesus tries to spare us embarrassment in life. You know that? He does that. One writer said, Common sense teaches men not to begin any costly work without first seeing that they have wherewithal to finish it. Now, yeah, see, that came from Jesus, and it's being repeated. So whatever you set out to do, count the cost. There's no prize for starting. You know where the prize is? <laughs> at the finish line. The trophies are not given at the starting line. They're given at the finish line. So here comes the mocking. Verse 30, Jesus said, the man began to build, and he was not able to finish. That's what the mockers are saying. Ah, oh, look at that guy. Hey, look at Joe down the street. He, he's got a beautiful vineyard, and he starts to build a tower, and he didn't have enough to finish it. And now, isn't he, doesn't he look silly? And people actually ridicule him. See, a half-built tower, you know, it says a few things about the grape grower. You know what it says? Number one. He's not very astute. He's not too sharp. He started a project or he, he attempted something without considering the whole thing. Number two, he's careless over his vineyard. Yeah, he invested all that time, money, and effort into a vineyard, but now he can't watch over it. He's careless. Thirdly, now his grapes are going to be easy to steal. Yeah. Why? Because you can't be up in the tower watching over the vineyard. So those thieves, they'll come at night, and they'll bring their baskets, and they'll pluck all the grapes, and they'll run away like little rats. And the guy will have no grapes. 
No jelly, no jam, no wine, whatever it is they do with grapes. So Jesus really wants to drive this point home. So he's after he's done talking about building, now he's going to talk about fighting. Same principle, different activity. He said in the next verse, in verse 31, Oh, what king? So we know that there's a similarity between the king and the the vine grower. Oh, what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first, there is the key, there's the key, first sit down and consider whether he is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with, ooh, 20,000 men. Does this guy want to go into battle outnumbered two to one? Yeah, think about that. You know, you got to consider the enemy. There are some some considerations you have to make before going to war. For instance, where will the battle be fought? What kind of terrain is it going to be? Can we get there easily? Is there a way out? Secondly, do I have any allies? Can I count on others coming alongside to help us? Thirdly, am I equipped for this type of war? Do I have the right equipment? Do I have the right weaponry? Fourthly, what's my battle plan? Am I just going to march right up? Am I going to circle around the back? Am I going to come in from the sides? What's my plan? Fifthly, what about logistics? How will I support the troops? How will I get them food and water? How will I get them the weapons, the ammunition, whatever it is they need to fight the battle? How do I support them and provide for them? All of these things need to be considered. And if there's no consideration, if there's no counting the cost when you go to battle, oh, somebody's going to lose. There's going to be a loser. So after these considerations... Then decide if you should go to this war. Don't decide before you consider. No, 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 that's no good. Consider first, then decide. Or else, Jesus said, while the other is still afar away, far away, did I say afar away? (laughs) While the other is still afar away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. Yeah. He says, oh, you know what? Oh, these guys, they got us out number two to one. They got better weapons. They got more food. They got it together. I think I think we're going to send a delegation. Let's make a peace treaty. Very smart. As a smart king, if you can't beat them, then be at peace with them. See, what's Jesus saying? Here's a good lesson in life. Count the cost. Whatever you're going to do count the cost. You're going to move? You're going to get married? going to take a new job? Count the cost. Whatever you're going to do. Again, Jesus is trying to give us a life lesson. And what is he really ascribing this to? Well, you know what he's ascribing it to? Because he said, ooh, just a little bit earlier, right before he got into these analogies, he said, Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now, here 
is a message. People never or rarely hear. They rarely hear that. If you want to come after me, pick up your cross. You know, it's a costly thing to be a follower of Christ. It is. We don't hear that part of the gospel being preached these days. But that's part of it. It should be preached. We should be honest in our preaching and preach the whole thing and let people know you want to follow Christ. That's beautiful. But it's costly. What does it cost? You know what it costs to follow Christ? Personal opinion. Yeah. Sometimes you got to put down your opinion and you got to adjust to the Word of God. Sometimes it costs you your wants. You know, there are things you want, things you want to do, places you want to go. But when you're a follower of Christ, you put there's a higher cause for living, a higher cause. I got things I want to do, I got places I want to go. But you know what? I can't, and I'm not, because there's a calling on my life that puts me in a certain place doing a certain thing. And it's true for all believers. So we need to really realize, okay, if I'm going to be a true, faithful follower of Christ, count the cost, lay aside my opinions, lay aside my wants, sometimes it's going to cost me money. Yeah. If you believe in supporting the work of God, it's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you time. Because when you, when you discover your spiritual gift and you use your God-given talent, and you use it for the kingdom of God, that's time. It's going to cost you your time. So maybe instead of going fishing, you might go and serve in some capacity on a Saturday afternoon. That's a wonderful thing if you do. As a matter of fact, you know what? Let me just say it. You want to follow after Christ? It's going to cost you, here it comes, your life. Yeah. It's going to cost you your life. Do you have what it takes? Are you willing to count the cost to be a follower of Christ when it costs you your life? I don't mean that you're going to die. I mean that you're going to give up your life for God, for the cause of Christ. So we've got the builder. Count the cost before you build that tower. We've got the king. Count the cost. Before you go into the battle, and now we got one more. Jesus is going to talk about sailing. You like to sail? You like boats? He's going to talk about sailing. And we're in Matthew 16, verse 2. Here's what Jesus said. When it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, you say, there'll be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. So we've got, in the evening, the sky is red, so it's going to be a nice day. But in the morning, the sky is red, uh-oh, not going to be a nice day. There's an old saying that goes around, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. That probably came from Jesus, right? Came from Matthew 16. But the point that Jesus is making, here it is. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs 
of the times. He's saying, wow, you guys can look at the sky and you can discern the weather. But can you discern the times that you're living in right now? For them, it was the time of the Messiah. Yeah, the Messiah was there. Could they discern the fact that they were living in the age when the Messiah, oh, was right in their midst? Some of them could, many of them couldn't. But what about us? For us, it's the time of alertness. We need to be alert. You know why? Ah, the devil. He prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's why we have to be on our guard. Be sober. Be vigilant. Be alert. These are the times that we are living in. So the question for us is really the same. Do you know the times that you're living in? Do you know what's going on around you in your generation, in your life? And how are you adjusting spiritually to what's going on to the events of today? I mean, man, the last year or two, have they been crazy? Race riots, more and more. Looting, destruction. The government stands by. Watch people crash into stores, steal everything that's in there, shoot police officers, shoot each other. The government stands by. Are you noticing the sign of the times? Government shutdown of buildings, businesses. Oh, and worse than that, churches. Churches. Government shutdown of churches. Oh, here it comes. Prohibiting worship. Can you see the times we're living in? Governments prohibiting worship. I believe the church belongs to God. It's a recent headline in California. Newsom orders statewide closures, including gyms and churches. How can the government close a church? Worse than that, the Supreme Court denied a church's petition to stay open with a 5-4 to four vote. Wow. So churches will be tested. And Christians will be tested. And our faith will be tested. So do you have what it takes? <laughs> Count the cost, right? We're entering into the beginning of a cashless society. You know that? People are not using money that much. They use debit cards. They use credit. I don't even have a debit card. My son, he carries no money. I got a debit card. I'm like, you got no money? No. So I, I always have to buy him something. <laughs> That's the plan, I bet. <laughs> so this, our society is going cashless. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? Book of Revelation? There are companies that are experimenting with or using a cashless means of doing business. For instance, uh, Amazon Go in Seattle doesn't use cash. Disney's Animal Kingdom, the hotels, don't use cash. Shake Shack is not accepting cash. Starbucks in Seattle is not accepting cash. I'm like, what? what is it about Seattle these days? Like, what the heck's going on over there? That place is like crazy. 
Here's another headline, ABC 12 News in Michigan. Bill requires employers to keep implanted microchips voluntary for workers. The key is not voluntary. The key is keep. Keep implanted microchips voluntary. So you see, they're coming little by little. What's that chip? I don't know. It's coming. Here's another one. Four states are already issuing what is known as enhanced driver's licenses. They call them EDLs. What are these enhanced driver's licenses? These licenses contain radio frequency identification, the RFID chips. And those who hold these special licenses are entered into a database maintained by the Department of Homeland Security. And this was established September 9th, 2019. So the question, can you discern the sign of the times? You know, as God's people, we have to be very wise. Didn't Jesus say it? Oh yeah, wise as serpents, meek as doves. Be wise, but don't be a troublemaker. Don't make trouble. The world can make enough trouble on its own. That's not the place of God's people. You know what the place of God's people? Stand strong. Stand firm in the faith. Don't lose your faith. Don't waver. Don't doubt. Stand firm. God is God. God is everlasting. God is almighty. God is supreme. And God is there for you. He is. He really is. So, in summary, how do we wrap all this up that Jesus is saying? What can we say? Number one, let me give you a little summarizing points. Listening to Jesus doesn't mean following Jesus. Okay? You can be a listener. It doesn't mean you're a follower. You can go to church and hear the preacher, but it doesn't mean you're following Christ. Once someone was talking to uh, a great scholar about a younger man, and he said to the scholar, so-and-so tells me he was one of your students. Well, the teacher answered, devastatingly, he may have attended my lectures, but he was not one of my students. And why did he say that? Because the student wasn't following what he was hearing. He was just there, but he wasn't following what he was hearing. Okay? Secondly, it is our duty to count the cost to follow Christ. It's our duty. You know, whatever you're going to do, you got to put your whole heart into it, right? Well, following Jesus, man, what, 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 what is greater than that? Count the cost. It's not easy believism. It's not, you know, God wants to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. If that's your calling, fine, but not for everybody. See, every important aspect of life requires counting the cost. Education. People count the cost. What school do I want to go to? Can I afford this school? Can I afford that school? I got to count the cost. Getting married. Count the cost. Want to buy a house? Want to rent an apartment? How many kids do you want to have? You got to count the cost. All of these things have to be considerations. Investments. Count the cost. 
What's a good investment? What's a bad investment? You want to go conservative? You want to go aggressive? What do you think? Think through. See, the Christian life is a thinking life. It's not a life of, we don't feel our way through life. We think our way through life. That's the Christian life. Thirdly, when you do count the cost and you continue as Christ's disciple, know that he goes with you and will be there with you. I like this part. Every step of the way. Oh, yeah. See, that's the key. If I'm walking with Christ, what does that mean? I'm with Christ. (laughs) I'm with him. And he's with me. So you see, I have safety and security in that. The closer I follow to Christ, ooh, the safer I am. The more I will hear him speak, and the more I'll be able to abide in. So, you know, it's like we ask ourselves two questions today. Am I a listener or am I a follower? That's question number one. Question number two, have I counted the cost to follow after Christ? Have I counted the cost? Because it is costly. And I'm here to tell you that it is. It's costly. But you know what? It's worth it. Oh, it's always worth it. It's always worth it to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what it cost you. And there are people all over the world, they are paying a very high price to be a follower of Christ. They're paying with their homes, with their churches, yeah, with their own lives. And they're not reneging. And they're not falling back. They are certainly paying the price. And you know what they're going to hear when they get to heaven? They're going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. Hey, you can hear that too. Oh, yeah. Don't you want to hear that? Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the master. Just be faithful. Count the cost. Be faithful. There's no better commitment in all of life than to be committed to the kingdom of God. Hey, don't forget about the Hope Club. You can join the Hope Club. Love to have you join. Get a daily devotional every day in your email box. Go to newhopecc.tv. Click giving. Click e-giving. Choose a fund, radio, $3 a week. That's it. Fill out the form. Hit submit. Boom, you're in. And the email will come your way Monday through Friday. So listen, thank you for coming along today. I'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.